This is Psalms to God, Season 2, Episode 16, The Conversion of Paul. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com. When he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him since they did not believe he was a disciple. Acts chapter 9, verse 26, CSB. Psalms to God podcast. This is your host, Ree, and today's episode is on Acts chapter 9. We're talking about the conversion of Paul, um, but we're going to get into a lot more than just the conversion of Paul. I think most people would agree that this is one of the more important chapters in the book of Acts and in the history of the church. Paul wrote a very, very large portion of the New Testament, and so how he went from being a persecutor of Christ to an apostle of Christ is fundamental to how the word spread, to how the gospel was brought to the Gentiles. Um, And of course, it has a lot to do with why we're sitting here having this conversation right now. And so I think that that, you know, that obviously warrants some time to go in and look at his situation. But I think more importantly, his entire conversion story tells us something about the church then versus the church now. And it very much points to a deficiency in our modern church that I want to talk about. So before we really dig into today's episode, I want to go back and give a brief overview of what happened in this chapter because I know that some of you guys you know you might have read it you might be reading along in preparation some people have not touched this chapter in you know a very long time and it's a little rusty in the memory and some people may have never read this chapter and so I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page going into the discussion so um and of course I encourage you to read it on your own. Don't just take my summary as gospel. But um, being as faithful to what's written here um, and summarizing, basically we have Saul who was a major persecutor of the disciples. He was present at the stoning of Stephen. He was part of the decision making saying let's stone him. Um, He was calling for the murder of the disciples and wanted to see them dead. He was in league with the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders um, and part of the movement to basically end Christianity. And one day he was walking and traveling towards Damascus when um, Christ appeared to him. And this was a life-changing moment for Saul. In this moment, he actually had a conversation with Christ. 
and became a believer himself. Not only was it like spiritually transforming, it was physically transforming. And he ended up losing his sight for three days. Um, He also ended up fasting during the time that he had lost his sight. It says that he did not eat or drink while he couldn't see. And um, while he was in this condition, the Holy Spirit goes to one of the disciples. Um, This man's name was Ananias. Do not confuse him with the other Ananias. I had to go back and look this up. I was like, wait, didn't Ananias die? This is a different Ananias. Apparently Ananias was a common name. Um, You can think of it like Michael or, uh, I don't know, John, you know, just common name. And uh, this Ananias, of course, when, when the Holy Spirit tells him to go to Saul, he's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not trying to die. Are you crazy? And there's like some pushback and the Holy Spirit has to really kind of move deeply in Ananias' heart to tell him like, yeah, you I'm sending you here. It's okay. He's not going to kill you. And so Ananias goes, he heals Saul's eyes. He baptizes him. And this sets, you know, Saul on a totally different path. This is the path to Paul. Um, But we also see that as he starts to proclaim Christ and starts to share the gospel, the disciples as a whole are like, nah, uh uh-uh, you're not one of us. And they're not very accepting of him. In fact, they're terrified of him. They don't believe this conversion. And it takes a lot for him to actually come into the fold. And um, later in the Bible, this is not in the book of Acts. I will quote the actual chapter in the show notes um, for reference. But it talks about how um, one of the reasons that Saul later known as Paul, is actually accepted into the body is because he goes off on his own and it's the Holy Spirit that teaches him. And when he comes back and he starts preaching the gospel, his gospel is on one accord with the disciples who he has not trained with. And so it would essentially be like, I like I have not gone to seminary. I am just reading the word and asking the Holy Spirit to lead me. And then you have somebody across the world and they're doing the same thing. And we come out and we're saying literally the same things. We've found the same information. And I have seen this on YouTube. There are people who, like I will go to one channel and listen to them and then go to another channel and listen to someone else. And they're saying they're giving almost the same message. And I'm like, did they follow each other? And you'll look and find no link between them. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. Um, but what really told them is like, he's gotten the same message. The Holy Spirit is giving him this message because it's not deviating from what we're teaching. And that was one of the things that really signified his place as a disciple and, you know, or as an apostle. And, you know, they were interestingly just as violent towards him um there are a couple of times where Saul has to run because the disciples want to come for him and I think that we spend a lot of time focused on Paul like Paul converted Paul converted you know he became Paul instead of Saul and this is great but we don't spend a lot of time on the reaction of the church and 
Their reaction is exactly the reaction we would have today. It is exactly the reaction we do have today. People show up all the time who maybe they haven't been out here killing Christians, but you know they've been out here in the streets. They've been um, living a life that is not according to God. You know they've been saying things that you know we didn't approve of or whatever. And when they try to join the body, it's like Mm-mm. go back into your hole, go back into your corner. We don't we don't want you. Um, and there is definitely this like exclusiveness that pops up where um, it is a very very hard circle to break into, and there's a twofold um, thing. There there's a twofold feeling that comes from this. It's like on the one hand, I totally understand why they were hesitant to just welcome Saul with open arms. I mean, he was killing people like killing people i miss i would have been scared of him too um but at the at on the other hand his conversion reminds us that people do change um and the holy spirit can change somebody and it's not for us to judge it's not for us to say that you have to be saul your whole life you can become paul and we should not be standing in the way imagine if if the disciples had continued to stand in the way of Paul becoming Paul, we would not have the New Testament. Um, the gospel would not have gotten preached to a lot of people. And we would not be where we are in sharing the gospel today. But the major reason why they were able to accept him is because the Holy Spirit was moving in the church. The church is led by the Holy Spirit. It's supposed to be. The real church is led by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit knows who is his and who is not. The Holy Spirit can tell you that is a true conversion. Be with that person. Work with that person. Um, and the Holy Spirit can tell you, yeah, that's that's not of, that's not of God. Don't worry about that. Don't go there. Stay over here. Don't Don't even worry about it. And that's exactly what we see in this chapter. The Holy Spirit goes to Ananias and says, go heal Saul. Go help him. Help him to get out of the city. Protect him. The Holy Spirit teaches him everything he needs to know so that he can be part of that community. And they're like, oh, wow. They see the Holy Spirit in him and the Holy Spirit recognizes the Holy Spirit. But we don't have the Holy Spirit running our church today and that is a major deficiency one of the things that i have been struggling with as i've been reading the book of acts is the overwhelming presence of the holy spirit from the moment i read the first chapter and it's talking about you know them coming out and speaking in tongues and um you know the people thought that they were drunk and just like the overwhelming show from the, I mean, the disciples are healing people. Peter is healing people from the dead. Like we talk about it as though only Jesus could do that. Elijah also did that in the Old Testament, but we have Peter healing people from the dead. We have Ananias, who's not even a major, you know, apostle as we call it. Like most of us would not even know who it was that healed Saul's eyes. 
Um, but he healed his eyes. He gave him his sight back. The disciples were out here performing miracles. We're talking about, I mean, in today's society, we laugh at these people who lay hands on people um, and claim to be healing them. But the disciples were legitimately healing people, like people bringing their babies to them and suddenly they don't have whatever ailment that they had. People who could not walk, people who could not see, they're performing the same miracles that Christ did. And our church is not doing that. I have never seen this happen. I mean, like I've heard rumors of people doing things, but I haven't seen... um these types of miracles in any church that I have been a member of or been a part of. And it it's tragic because one, it sets the stage for the Antichrist. Um, the Antichrist, well, let me say this before I even get people confused. The Antichrist is not a person. The Antichrist is a system of worship. It, it's Basically, without derailing the whole episode, Satan's whole purpose is to replace God and to get us to worship him instead of God. So when you think of Antichrist, it is in place of Christ. That is what the the phrase means. And so when it talks about the Antichrist, it's really talking about a system of worship that is not the worship of God. And that can be people, it can be institutions. Um, it's not just like one person. And when it talks about the end, it talks about these miracles being performed and, and fooling people because the church is devoid of these miracles. It makes sense that we would see something happening over here and run to that because we do know that these miracles are possible and that they should be happening. And it is only because the Holy Spirit is heavily present in the church that they're able to see which direction to go that they know who to accept and who to stray away from and that's I mean it's a big deal um because you know we hear about cults we see people that go off the deep end and you're like how did they end up in that situation how did why were they listening to this false prophet because the holy spirit was not involved right each of us should be steeped in the Holy Spirit and then together collectively we're supposed to be steeped in the Holy Spirit. But the elders or the disciples, the leaders in the church, they're the ones who are supposed to also be bringing the Holy Spirit to us. Um, one of the things that I mentioned in the last episode when we were going through chapter 8 is that they send the disciples, specifically, I think, Peter and John, to Samaria because the Samaritans believe, but they haven't received the Holy Spirit. And so they go to bring the Holy Spirit to them. That is what is supposed to be happening in our church. Like every single believer is supposed to be connected to the Holy Spirit. And we're supposed to be feeling that. And like, I don't even know how to express it. Um, you know, just this past weekend, you know, I was talking to some other young adults and this, this phrase came up that comes up all the time, particularly with the youth. Um, this frustration of when things happen, 
when people say to pray about it or to read, to read the word and to pray about it. And there's a frustration there. Um, And you see this echoed on social media when people get upset about the concept of thoughts and prayers. And um, it represents like an inaction to most people. And that's because we're not connected to the Holy Spirit. The truth is we should be able to pray and receive answers. And I'm not saying that every time we pray, we should get an answer immediately because obviously God works on God's time. Sometimes things are not meant to happen in our time, but in God's time. However, it is apparent in the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit is coming to them and giving them answers in a timely fashion. It's not like they're just sitting there like, well, I don't really know what to do. I'm not sure. I'm just going to kind of uh, feel it out and, and see what happens. They are actively communicating with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is intrinsically involved in the church. And that's why they were on one accord. That is why they were able to withstand persecution. That is why they were able to determine that Saul's conversion was genuine. It is why they were able to expand and spread the word. And it is why they were able to affect people and get them to believe. Without the Holy Spirit, the church is dead. It means nothing. We have no power and we can't hold ourselves together. And that is exactly what we see today. This is why we have 50,000 denominations. This is why we can't agree on anything. This is why we can't heal anybody. We can't even heal ourselves. This is why we struggle. This is why when people like Kanye pop up, we don't know if it's real or if it's fake. This is why when Sally Sue shows up at your church and she's been out in the streets her whole life and she claims that she is saved, you don't know if she's for real or if she's not, whether you should make her, you know, part of the the ministry for the children or whether you should hide her in the back until you figure out what to do. Um, because in all of these situations, it's not supposed to be left to me. It's not supposed to be left to you. It's not supposed to be us deciding. It's supposed to be the Holy Spirit coming through and moving within us. And, you know... I was sitting here and I was thinking about it and while I have felt overwhelming peace, I have had dreams where I feel like God was there, I honestly don't know that I've ever felt the Holy Spirit the way I see it described in the book of Acts. And that's just being 100% honest. I don't know that I've ever been in a group where like how they were in the upper room and they came out and they, you know, they're speaking in tongues and, you know, they're like the Holy Spirit came upon them. Or even when Peter went to Cornelius and it's like the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were shocked that it came upon even the Gentiles. I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I just felt like, you know, the Holy Spirit just, overtook the room and took control and we were all just surrendered to the Holy Spirit. I, you know, if you have, that is absolutely awesome. Um, And I want to hear about it. Send me a message 
definitely might even want to bring you on the podcast to talk about it. Um, but it's something that I think that we as believers should be thinking about because if I'm being honest, I think most people who are being honest would probably be somewhere with me that I think we felt the, the smallest portions, um, of the Holy Spirit, kind of like the lady who touched the hem of the garment of Christ. I feel like that is, um, part of my experience with the Holy Spirit. It's like I'm grabbing at the hem of the Holy Spirit, trying to bring him into me. But I don't know that I've just been fully saturated with the Holy Spirit to the point that, you know, I I felt confident um, the way the early church did in making decisions, in knowing what you know, my purpose was or what somebody else's purpose was or how I was supposed to help them in their purpose. And guys, that's a big deal um, because we can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. And so I definitely think that we as believers, we as the body, we need to be heavily praying for the Holy Spirit to come in every single one of our bodies Um, and in the collective body. And I think that when we can get to that level, that is when we can honestly start building the kingdom. That is when we can truly spread the word. That's when we're going to see change. Um, Because as long as the church is divided, we're, you know, we're just a bunch of people who are just like everybody else. And so my prayer this week is to bring the Holy Spirit back into our church so that we can have this type of discernment that we um, that we're not hindering other people by being afraid of them, that we are not hindering ourselves um, by not knowing which direction to go, that we can become on one accord um, because we need the Holy Spirit to sort out those types of situations. And we're going to see that as we keep going through the book of Acts, how the disciples have to come together um, to decide on certain doctrines and things like that. But I just want to keep the Holy Spirit or bring the Holy Spirit into the center of all things. And so that is my prayer um, from studying Acts chapter 9. And that is my prayer for you guys and for us. Like I said, if you've had a different experience, please send me a message. Please volunteer to come on the podcast and speak um, because I would like to hear about it. And I'm sure so would everyone else. And um, that is our episode for today. Um, Next week, we will start back in Acts chapter 12 and see how far we can go. Um, I hope that this was um, beneficial to you and that it made you think about things. Um, And, you know, I definitely encourage you to be honest with yourself. You don't have to say it out loud like I did, but I think that it's important that we do acknowledge what is and isn't happening in our church. So um, that is all for today. Have a great week and I will see you next week. Bye.